1: Welcome to episode 23 of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this very special extra episode, I speak to Eddie Izzard. Eddie is a big runner, and that's why I wanted to do this podcast. But the other thing is that Eddie has been trans for 35 years and has made headlines recently when her decision to use she, her pronouns came to light. I'm just mentioning that first, so those pronouns don't come as a bit of a surprise. And so you know why I wanted to invite her onto the Women's Running podcast. Now that she is identifying solely as a woman, I was interested to talk to her about her running experiences and to demonstrate the inclusivity and support of our community. Last year, Eddie decided it was time to do something big, and she wanted to use running to achieve it. Throughout January 2021, under the banner of Make Humanity Great Again, Eddie is running 31 marathons on a treadmill and then performing 31 stand-up shows in 31 days in 31 virtual cities from across Europe and around the world. She's doing this to raise money to give to charities that make humanity great. These charities include Fair Share, Walking with the Wounded, Care International, United to Combat Neglected Tropical Diseases and Covenant House New York City. Please donate to these causes by hitting the link below or donating to the numbers in the show notes. Eddie is a hero of mine as a comedy giant, as a runner, as an activist and as a trans pioneer, so I jumped at the chance to speak to her while she was running her 20th marathon in a virtual Helsinki. I asked her about her running and all the injuries that she's currently suffering from and I also asked her about that whole pronoun thing and the response that she's had as a result. Now, we put out a story to highlight Eddie's marathon challenge and we got a load of hate in response. And I mentioned this to Eddie. And I found it desperately sad. Eddie isn't trying to muscle in on competitive women's running. Her very existence does not threaten women. One person's decision to identify as a woman is entirely their prerogative. And Eddie's philosophy of live and let live is a good one to abide by. So while that hate pours me in my tracks, it didn't for one minute make me think we shouldn't have run it in the first place. In fact, it made me more determined to support all people who identify as women to run. I wanted to interview Eddie to listen to her and to make her voice heard. Whatever your thoughts on gender politics, I would implore you to listen. Eddie talks honestly to me about her experiences and her politics, expressing her own views, which do not necessarily reflect those of women's running, but are certainly interesting listening. She talks frankly about Brexit and Donald Trump, and also John Major, and a curly-whirly, you have been warned. What Eddie is doing right now, the money she's raising, and her quest to spread positivity and hope, make her one of the most inspiring people I've ever spoken to. We are proud of her achievements, and of her bravery, and we can't wait to see what she does next. How are you? I'm not bad, thank you. How are you? I
2: am okay. I'm well, I'm hanging in there. Getting them done the 20th marathon today. Our body's a bit... Well, the body is exhausted, so I'm just running on empty. And the legs are complaining a lot. So... uh, Yeah,
1: I've seen you've had quite a lot of injuries. What's been going on?
2: Well, it's... They just think things keep going. So it's on the uh, toenail on the left foot, decided to try and lift up and come off. Ow. I I may lose soon, but it's... We're just trying to hang on to it and see it filled up with uh, fluid and just has not looked very good for about a week. The outside of my right foot is aching, uh, and I pronate on my right foot, so I've got orthotics in to try and correct that. But the running on the treadmill is different to running outdoors, so this is hard. Yeah, um,
1: c- sorry, carry on.
2: So, tenosynovitis in the, right, in the right shin, which is. The, uh, the tendons rubbing against the uh, enc- cheesing, what they're encased in and they get inflamed. So that was seen this Sort of, I could hear them creaking. I, and I, could, I actually recorded it and we posted it online. So Ooh. that's out there. And <laughs> in the left quad above the knee, obviously the thigh is just strapped up like crazy. It keeps going. It keeps sort of bouncing out and making me limp, which means you can't get up a good running gait. So, yeah, it's just the middle one. The first ones are horrible. The middle ones are sort of better, but exhausting because you you've got nothing; it's no energy. Mm-hmm. You, you start feeling not too bad, but then it just goes on. So, anyway, good. To but you're
1: talk. you're on the home stretch now.
2: Um, yeah, last eleven, uh, last twelve marathons. Yeah, I've done. What have I done? Nineteen, and this is uh, the twentieth. And after that, there'll only be 11 left and not 20. So psychologically, it's good. <laughs> but, and there's a gig every night. At 7 p.m., people are buying tickets at, at theazard.com and they can donate or they can buy tickets for my stand-up show at 7 p.m. So that's an hour's worth of mental energy drainage. But, uh, yeah, you've got to do something to grab people's imagination and encourage them to help make humanity great again, which is slogan of what we're fighting for.
1: So I, th- I think you're certainly doing that. I mean, how do you, how do you even begin to train for something like this?
2: Um, uh, well, I, th- I always think the first 10 marathons are the training for the, for the rest of the ones that you're doing. If you're doing multiple marathons, I don't know if you can perfectly train for it. I try. I did run. Uh, I've left, left quartz playing around again. Sorry. I've got to slow down a bit. Damn. Damn. Um, the, uh, I did do a uh, 28, 29 marathons back in February of last year around Europe. And since then, I've been trying to do a marathon every other week and a half marathon in between that, those other weeks, uh, you know, so bi-weekly full marathon and, and a bi-weekly on alternate weeks, a bi-weekly half marathon. So that's what I've just tried to keep ticking over. But then, as soon as you get into this, it's all bets are off because it's the one after the other. There's no recovery time. That's the tricky thing.
1: So, how are you recovering? What do you? What are you doing?
2: Well, you just eat and sleep. That's purely it. There's not much <laughs> else you can do. Well, you can you can strap your leg up. You can put some healing things on. try and get a decent night's sleep because there's a there's a Uh, uh, the brain has a thing of, come on, let's go, let's go, because you're constantly running, and it wakes you up all the night. So um, I've been trying to find a safe sleeping pill that I could take just to give me a little bit more sleep, so I wake up a bit more rested.
1: And what have you learnt about food? What's been the best food to eat?
2: Well, we're doing a small sort of carb thing before the run, and then uh, uh, carbs and proteins after the run, it's getting to extend. extent it's getting put in front of my face, and I'm putting it into my face. So <laughs> I don't really uh, can't really work out exactly what I'm eating, but it does seem to be a mixture of after it's after the after they do say after the run, that's when you take some carbs in and, and some protein and some protein before bed as well. This is the uh, this is what I've been doing
1: mm-hmm.
2: under instruction from some people who know a lot more than I do about this kind of stuff
1: so can you can you tell me why you decided to do this in the first place
2: well it's a time in the world when in the uk half of our country may maybe half the world is saying come on let's separate let's pull back let's go more into isolation uh, and and not be connected with people and then there's half of the rest of the country and the rest of the world is saying no this is the time this is the 21st century where we try to make it a farewell for everyone, and so this that, the nationalistic idea of separation—my country is better than your country. We did that in the nineteen thirties. Patriotism, absolutely, be proud of your country, but we're all good countries. We're all there's positive people in every country. So, I'm trying to make even stronger connections than before. I'm encouraging people to—you cannot legislate against hearts and minds, and uh, you have to listen to the, to what's going on. And I think a lot of people in time of COVID nationalism, where some people are saying, oh, we do the right way of locking down and and we do it differently. And we've got a vaccine you can't have. We can't have that. Another another uh, pandemic is bound to come because if you go back to Spanish flu and SARS and Ebola and the Hong Kong flu, I remember that in 69. Something else is going to come, and we should have learnt from this. We should have an international set of uh, rules that we click into that makes it easier next time, because it's been all over the place, and we know that going hard and going strong is the best way. What New Zealand did, a number of other countries did that, that does seem to be the best way. So I'm encouraging people to make even stronger connections. If you don't want to be an isolationist, if you don't feel we're better than you, our country's better than your country, then make those connections. It's going to be harder now in Brexit Britain, but uh, I'm a very positive person, proud of being British, proud of being European, proud of being a world citizen. So it's humanity, it's not one country, it's humanity. And that's what we've got to fight for.
1: And so how do you think that running best demonstrates that?
2: Well, running, when I was running through, I was, Running through back in February of last year, I ran through lots of uh, European cities. So that was me making the connections, going, there, being there. Now I'm doing a virtual marathon. Day 20 is Helsinki, Finland. So we're reaching out for that. We want to link up with people in Helsinki. Hopefully, people in Helsinki, and Finland, would say that's good. We're honouring that country. And uh, and I did it before 11 months ago. We show videos. I um, came on just before you came on of the first. Uh, the video I did at the beginning of the marathon 11 months ago so that's, that's what we're trying to do and make humanity great again is the slogan but uh, if we can raise money we've got 5 charities that we're highlighting but there could be more as well depending on how much money comes in and if people go to com and they, they can donate that way or they can find out how to do a text that would be brilliant but we've got Care International working all around the world We've got Covenant House, working with young people in a very difficult stage. Of their life it not a place to stay based in New York and working in six countries around the world. We've got Fair Share, as you'll probably know, Marcus Rashford doing a similar thing against food wastage and uh, getting food to kids with low-income backgrounds so that they can have a decent meal, which government keeps slipping up on. them. So Marcus Rashford comes in, Fair Share comes in and fills in the gaps there. And then walking with the wounded, UK service personnel who come out of the services and have difficulty, I'm hooking back into society, could have mental health problems, could have physical health problems, or trouble with the Crown Prosecution Service, so it's... uh, they do great work there. And then there's United to Combine Against Neglected Tropical Diseases. 1.7 billion people suffer from them, including leprosy, and elephant titus that we might have thought have gone from our world, but are still there. So, so those are the five that we're highlighting. And there could be more. Depends how much money comes in. It must
1: have been difficult to shortlist the charities.
2: Well, it's, they, we ask them to make bids, so it's, it's kind of easy that way. It's just like what Sport Relief does. Sport Relief gets the money, charities make bids, and then we say, this sounds pretty good, and then we apportionate the money out. And uh, I stay away from a lot of that. So, But uh, Kevin Carhill used to be head of Sport Relief, and it's now our team leader on uh, Make Humanity Great.
1: And so, um, when you're, when you're not training to do 31 marathons in 31 days, what sort of running do you do?
2: Um, apart from the marathon every two weeks and the half marathon every...
1: <laughs> Aside from that, yeah.
2: <laughs> N- nothing, not a hoot. Um, I might do, I might do some sprint work, some, some fartlek, like some sort of sprints and recoveries, sprints and recoveries, do that. But, uh, I feel that's enough. I don't want my life to be ruled by this, um... But, uh, yeah, it's endurance running. And yours is a a, 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 women's, a a podcast for women running, yes? Is that correct? It's,
1: yeah, and a brand. We do a magazine as well. It's a, yeah, we, our magazine's women's running. Um, we have a website and a podcast as well.
2: Well, I've got to say I'm very honoured if I'm allowed to be talking to you because I'm a trans woman. Well, thank you very much. I don't know if that is how it works, but it's just an honour to be talking to you on this. But women do seem to have maybe the edge on men on endurance.
1: They <laughs> do. do. They do. Yeah.
2: That is the truth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Maybe because of childbirth, women already, a lot of women have gone through this tough, tough time having, having a baby, and so endurance, pushing back against pain, getting through. Women are good endurance runners. I've been talking to them. You know, Marathon and desable, running hundreds of miles, doing stuff that's more difficult than I've done. So, so that's beautiful to see that. And is that
1: something it, that you'd be interested in doing, one of those races?
2: The Marathon de particularly, it's not something I want to do tomorrow or the day after I finish it, but I was born in in, uh, Yemen, in the city of Aden, in um, Yemen, the south, and uh, I, uh, you know, a sort of desert marathon would link up to where I was born. I was born surrounded by sand, and my parents met there, my parents married there in Aden, my brother was born there in 60 and I was born there in 62. So that would be quite a beautiful link. Uh, and it's run by a French organization and Je parle Francais. So I do my shows in French and German. So, um, yeah, that would be, that wouldn't be fun. I don't think fun's is right. But that would be a great challenge to finish. Uh, the Math on this. Sable.
1: Yeah, so I've heard it can be fun, actually.
2: Really? <laughs> yeah. Crazy people. I don't find I don't find enjoyance running terribly fun. I find the stopping. People say you must love the running. You're addicted to running. It's like, no, I'm addicted to stopping. <laughs> but I, yeah. think I have I have got one thing. Um, I do look even though I'm a trans person, I think I just look like an ordinary person. You know, some people look like, oh yes. <laughs> sporty look you know bound to do good at this or whatever I just look like someone and I think if I do this um, your average man or woman or boy or girl could look at me and just go well if that person could do it maybe I can do a 5k maybe I'll do couch to 5k you know the, the podcast no not the podcast the, the app that exists mm-hmm. couch to 5k which is very good at the time of COVID 5 k park run this beautiful thing uh, I was talking to Bruce Fordyce who has won nine different uh, Comrades Marathons in uh, South Africa, their big 90-kilometer mm-hmm. run, which is about, about 56 um, uh, miles, huge ultra marathon, and he won, He did 30 of them and won nine of them. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good to try things and push things so that people, and, and I think if I do them, people think, well, if, they, if Eddie can do this, then I can do this. That's quite a nice thing because I think some people, as I say, look very special. You think, I can't do that because they're just, they look like the person who would do that.
1: I think, uh, I think yeah, I think it's a lovely ambition. I also think that, um, I think with endurance running, you do get very normal looking people because th- these are people that eat lots and lots of normal food. Um, so it's not sort of a sprinter kind of physique. It's just normal people yes. running silly distances. <laughs>
2: And is that what you do? Are you an endurance
1: runner? No, no, I'm I'm averagely OK at editing a magazine, um, but okay. I'm, I'm I'm just a generally I'm a plodder. And I, I do love my running. But, you know, uh, I think a marathon is is my absolute longest distance.
2: And you've, you've already done one or you would do one.
1: I've done one. I did the virtual London last year. All right. Which was lovely
2: or was
1: that easy that was, you ran in your area <laughs> yeah i loved it i um i live in bath i'm from southeast london um so like london marathon means a lot to me but um but i ran in bath uh, which is where i live now and completely on the flat um in the piddling rain and i just thought it was just wonderful it was a really kind of it felt like you had all that lovely community spirit everyone was wearing their numbers um there were loads of people in the southwest running it so it was um i thought it was lovely did you do okay. it
2: no I didn't I've never done an organized marathon in my life I just measure distances and run them myself because my timings never work out but hang on I have to pick you up at something so you did this in Bath where you live and then he says it was lovely and flat now Bath is anything but lovely and flat so where the hell was it was it round and round
1: <laughs> oh yeah oh because I remember you running a marathon you went you ran up Brass Knocker Hill or something was it was not horrific up, up, up Hill. yes <laughs> that's the
2: killer I had to I had to zigzag up it and then took it up the t- the top. I went across the playing fields at the bottom, and yeah. So where was it in Bath? Was it outside, around the area of Bath? It
1: was. Um, it was where if if you were going to do that again, I w- I would say no, 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 no. You wanted to go along the tow path, so um, you can run from Bath to Bravon Avon and back, which is what I so I did out and back, which is quite boring, but um, but right. flat. So yes,
2: yeah, flat is a lovely idea. Yeah. <laughs> that Some people came up with, because when well, I found out all the major marathons are flat, you know, because I could make this, I could do this up Everest, you know, 2031 marathons up the side of Everest. You think, well, how hard do you need to make it? <laughs> flat is hard enough. So, okay. I uh, I try not to be crazy. I am realistic. Uh, I'm not superhuman. I'm determined human. That's what I've worked at
1: yeah you certainly are is it okay because you've talked about it a second ago is it okay to talk about the pronoun thing
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely
1: brilliant because I mean yeah this is the reason why we're talking and I'm I'm like I'm so you have no idea how thrilled I am to be talking to you because I am a bit of a superfan. anyway I, I've, I've bought show and tell look at this I don't know if you can see
2: Oh, yes. Very good. Glorious.
1: And yes. you signed it as well for me because I oh, waited good. outside. There was me and three goths and you signed it for me. Oh, um, that's great. So I think that was probably about 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so, so personally it's a thrill to speak to you. But, you know, when, when that news came through about changing your pronouns and your running and your Eddie Izzard, I was like, oh, my God this is amazing. I can get you in the magazine. This is incredible. So it was, for me, it was absolutely thrilling. And we, we um, at Women's Running, we, we did a little story and we talked about your pronouns and we, but we mostly, we talked about 31 marathons in 31 days and the charities that you're raising money for. Um, and we got loads of support, which is lovely. Lots and lots of kind of really positive feedback, but we also got a Pile of hate on Twitter, right. absolute pile of it, and that was really sad, and made me feel really sad for you and for trans people generally, because if we're getting that, and we're just a magazine, what do you face?
2: Yeah, well, I've got you know, I, I, as you know, I came out in '85, so I've been going through the wall of hatred from the extreme right for 35 years. Uh, when you said there was a pile of, was it an equal pile of, of positive and negative, or was it slightly more balanced, more positive? Hopefully, slightly more positive.
1: I can tell you, um, well, that it's, it depended on where it was. So we we have all of our social channels, and um, on Instagram, it was 100% love. Oh, right. Um, and on Facebook, it started out as 100% love. And then descended into madness. And Twitter was, was just horrific. Um, Twitter well, we know, turned off.
2: There <laughs> is a the thing about...
1: If you have a stronger
2: character, no matter who you are, you will meet different people, other people, in your street, your country, your continent, and the world. And if you have a more positive character, stronger character, you will say, well, you seem different. How are you? How does your life work? And tell me about that. And you will be curious, brave and curious. Some people are fearful and suspicious. And the fearful and suspicious do survive happily behind the firewall of of, um, social media where they can just hide there and throw hatred out and they, it usually starts with hatred of themselves because if they were more confident in themselves more happy with their own life they wouldn't need to be hating other people so much now if being honest i knew i know it's it's i'm really sure it's genetic they're getting closer and closer to find out gen, it's either genetic or chromosomes or something is built in um and i do seem to be gender fluid i seem to have boy genetics and girl genetics <laughs> and uh, I knew since I was five, so being open and honest about it for 35 years, talking about it, getting the conversation out there, trying to say I'm part of society, I pay my taxes, Um, and if that gets the hatred coming in, because I've tried to be as positive as I can, then I feel sorry for them. I forgive them as well. I forgive them, I'm gonna feel sorry for them, and I think they need to see someone about their mental health, because I'm not hurting anyone, I'm not doing anything. This is my life, and uh, and all I've said is I've requested on the pronouns. Didn't insist. Uh, They just asked me on a program, so I didn't actually change them. I just came over the last few years. I just thought if I've been I'm based in in girl mode now for the next since the age of fifty. I've decided that's how I'm going to be based. And if people have a problem with that, they just call me Eddie or not. If they're very negative, they're probably give me a hateful name or whatever. But, you know, I've had abuse shouted at me in the streets, and I've had to... Sh- I shout it back, I stand my ground. If they fought me in the streets, I fought them back, I've taken them to court, or Crown Prosecution Services has taken them to court, and uh, that's what I'll do.
1: Have you and, ever felt scared?
2: Well, you can't afford to feel scared. I feel, I feel angry. I feel pissed off. But... You know, when I was doing stand-up, I'd be doing stand-up in a gig, and there'd be someone down the front just saying, F off, you you see, to me. And they were just an idiot. And if I have to listen to all the idiots in the world, then, you know, Trump is an idiot. He's going today. He is inciting hatred. He is a racist and sexist person. He has used lying as a tool of politics. And he encouraged a whole lot of people with a massive lie that... He said that he'd won an election, which he'd obviously lost because we know this because everyone checked it and judges checked it and Republican administrators who were in charge of the counts in Georgia you had that telephone call where you're saying, please can you fight me some votes I want to be I want to carry on being lifted and laid and lying like I've done for the last four years and the Republican guy from the other end of the line said you're not going to do it he's not going to break the law they, and he incited that that Mob into violence and insurrection on the 6th of January. So those are the people who will really give me a lot of hate. So I'll just give it back. I don't like hating. It always starts from the right wing. If you you know they say down the years, if you think about it, Hitler said, Oh, it's the Jewish people. Now people might say it's the Muslim people. Before in England, we used to say it was the Irish, but whoever it was, they're saying it's always hatred coming from the extreme right. And Anyone who's anywhere else, really, is kind of more living that live and, okay, there are people of different colors, LGBTQ plus people, who, there's men, there's women, come on, we can all fit in this world, we have to, otherwise we're not going to make it, so I'm trying to be calm, I want to be in politics, I'm trying to get a seat to be a member of parliament and I will fight the hatred, the extremism, the racism and the homophobia and I will try a work for a world where everyone has a fair chance in life that is the only world worth fighting
1: for I think that's amazing I think um I, I think I've been astonished by how varied your career has been to date and will continue to be that you've made these kind of what feels like seamless moves from like comedy to acting to politics bit of run-in thrown in um <laughs> you know basically sports personality of the year without having the award which which of those now is the most important to you?
2: Um, oh, let's see. Well, kind of all of them. Because remember when you're a teenager, you might have been a few things you wanted to do. And, and you used to say, you know, Martin, jack of all trades, master of none. I decided to try and be master of four trades. That's it. I mean, endurance running, not really a master of it. I'm fairly good at it, not very fast, but I get it done. And the other three are politics, which I'm really just beginning my career in. And I've done quite a bit of activism. And then it's drama and comedy. It's only those four, which may be more than usual, but <laughs> that's all I'm trying to do. Comedy's in a pretty good place. I'm doing it in different languages. Drama is now having done Victoria and Abdul with Judy Dench, playing over the seventh, the Stephen Frears movie. You know, what I did was the thing I did that's kind of. I think is interesting, is normally you would go up the comedy mountain, say, you get so as a good stand-up, then they say, come and do a sketch show, you'd, then you have your, the sketch show, you're being made with a group, and that works, and they say, do you want to do your own sitcom, and then you do your sitcom, and that works, then you do comedy films. I put a block on it, when I could feel the stand-up taking off, and I was playing venues, bigger, bigger venues on my own, and I thought, I'm going to go back to drama, which was my first love when I was seven. And I'm going to get a separate agent, Nikki Van Gelder, and with her, uh, we just, I just went up for dramatic roles. And it took its time because I had to relearn, I, but I hacked my way up the, the dramatic mountain, as opposed to going up the comedy mountain and being airlifted in, because you have become a huge star of comedy. And then you're in a drama, in a kind of stunt casting. You wouldn't expect it, but they're in this. And I, I decided not to do that. I thought it's better for me to get to hold it the stand up, keep doing stuff, do stuff in languages, uh, play the world, but don't do the television. And then I go to the bottom of the dramatic mountain and start hacking my way up that mountain with some bad dramas initially. I, you know, good, not the works, but what I was doing initially was not good. But gradually, in the last ten years, I've uh, I'm very happy with my work, and it's got better and better. And uh, yeah, it was Tony nominated from for the day of the death of Jareg on Broadway, best actor. So I know, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting, if I keep pushing and keep being determined, I can keep adjusting my style, my technique, how I approach it, comedy, running, drama, politics, and I can get it get it better. So that's what that's what I try and do
1: you're just relentlessly positive it's it's so um it's so wonderful to hear when you say things like that and and i've i've seen you in in other interviews talking about being sort of glass two-thirds full or something like that which i think is is just lovely particularly like at the moment it feels like cynicism is much more kind of prevalent and um and and positivity and optimism less so. so what what makes you so positive what's how why
2: um, I think I had determination. I think I might have a determination gene. I think I might have got more of that than other people might. I'm not sure. Um, I don't seem to. Some people suffer from depression um, and it's sort of like built in. People have moments of depression or times of depression, but some people get it. The, the synapses are firing negatively. If someone brings them a coffee. That 's a nice thing, but you say, "Oh no, the coffee's going to be bad for me it 's caffeine. Uh, why are they doing this? Do I owe them a coffee now they find all the negatives in someone bringing you a cup of coffee you know and that 's everything firing backwards I relentlessly well I, I seem to mine fire forwards generally they 're generally quite calm. my synapses I tend to not go negative too much on things, but I also look for positives and negatives there is uh, I think disaster humanitarianism that comes out positive ideas that come out of bad things and I train myself to look for them and find them and talk about them so that um, not only I feel good about it but other people hopefully also feel good about it and being trans coming out in 85 as you say people still now 2021 they want to do hatred um, I have to fight that we all have to fight that uh, well maybe I have to do more because I'll be directed more towards me but um I'm ready for it. I'm ready to just push back because the, the people who start in hate they cannot run humanity. That cannot be the way. And Trump was trying to do that. Trump was saying starting he was racist. We had not say, "Grab women by the pussy." He was negative and racist and sexist things. He gave permission to people who wanted to go back there. People who had been. Disenfranchised because they were being racist and sexist. Some people had job problems, and you can understand that. But if they were just people who hated, and then in comes a president and says, I hate a lot of people. I'm going to lie left, right, and center. Please believe my lies. Because that would really help me and my ego. That's essentially what Donald Trump did for four years. And hopefully now that's going into um, a sidebar in history. But we know it's not going to quite finish straight away. But... Uh, We have to fight that, because that's like, it's as if half the world is saying, come on, let's go back, let's try the 1930s again. How did that work out? How did nationalism work out there? Anyone read the book on it, watched the DVD, seen a documentary? And the rest of us are going, no, we did it, it doesn't work. Let's go forward to the 2030s. And we've got to be more positive, open, diverse, live and let live. That's all we're saying.
1: But but, um, Brexit must have been quite trying, even for your positive attitude
2: well in in a way in the it was bound to be tested the european union coming together was an amazing thing oh, and starting this amazing thing because it was started to stop world wars stop nationalism and it's not stopping the people of the country heading the next people in the country it's to stop one leader getting in by whatever means and then stirring it up stirring up the hatred Using lies as a tool of politics and stirring it up to say you must hate these people, you must hate the next country, and if you don't, you are a traitor. That's what the, that's what came through the, the fascist thinking, the extreme right thinking. Do what we say, or you'll be an enemy of your country. And that's what nationalism does, and uh, and that must not win. It's not it's not the individual countries, but the the European Union was set up for that, and coming together. It's the hardest thing. If you think about it, no one does think about it, but I do. The hardest thing politically in the history of the world ever to happen politically. These are countries with hundreds, if not thousands of years of history that's different, quite often interwarring with each other, choosing to come together in some shape or form. Very, 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 very um, times 10 difficult to do. So to just walk away and say, no, 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 let's go back. And then Boris Johnson, I'm not a fan of Boris Johnson, and uh, he did this big fundamental lie. £350 million a week will go into the NHS. And then we found out that was a lie. And there you go, you've got this very unsafe result. But it's happened, so this is going to happen here. But it was bound to happen in the European Union that one country would, would, uh, would have something like this, a referendum. And I'm just going to fight for the third referendum, People talk about the second one, but the first one was in 95. Everyone seems to have forgotten. We won by 66 to 34, and that was back in 75. And then it was 52, 48, very close. And uh, as Dominic Cumming said, 600,000 either way, and all those millions of people voting, that's not a huge change, especially when people say, come on, let's put that 350 million a week into the NHS. That sounds good. That was not true. And that is not going to happen. So... If you win a referendum like that, doesn't sound good to me. doesn't sound good democracy to me. Still, it's happened, and I want to fight again. You have to listen to the country. You have to listen to what people are saying. And the last number of polls, of like 10%, have said people would like to be in Europe. They don't want Brexit bureaucracy. They don't want to have to do visas to go and travel. They're losing their healthcare around Europe. All these things that we're losing. They don't want that, the majority of people in the country. and. Uh, even in the last election, if you add it up different parties, on a simple majority, majority of people still wanted to stay in Europe. So it has happened. We go through this, but then the third referendum is inevitable, and returning to European Union, I believe, is inevitable because it's our continent. The youth of today will not allow that the older generations have said no. We want to go back to a time, the 1950s, maybe the 1930s. And the youth are going to come in and get the vote and say, hang on, we didn't vote for that. That's our future too. What about us? So time goes on. It's our continent. It's our world. And if we're not looking for world solutions, as we know with climate, as we know with terrorism security, as we now know with COVID, if we're not working all together, not separately, we will not make it. And I'm saying this century will be our first century where we have a fair, everyone has a fair chance in life or it'll be our last century where we actually just wipe ourselves off the planet. I'm afraid, if you believe in a God, wonderful, but he didn't come down for World War II when 60 million died in horrific, horrific ways. And if God's not coming for that, I think he's not there, or he really hates us, which seems like very rude to a God. I think it's more polite to say, God isn't there. It's up to us, the goodwill of human beings, the goodwill of humanity. And maybe there's slightly more goodwill. You saw the numbers, the amount of hate and love that was coming in, say, on when you announced uh, about me and pronouns. Maybe if you look at the election elections in America, 81 million for Joe Biden, and 74 million for Trump. So still, that's a number of people for Trump, but mm-hmm. that's still, it's like 7 million more. So we're just, I think we've always just just on the edge, got the, the majority of goodwill in the world rather than ill will.
1: Do you think, um, do you think w- that we'll be back in the EU within our lifetime?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Yes, it's, it's inevitable we'll go back. You know, the, the youth of today will not stand What happens? Older people tend to go more conservative. They vote more right-wing. And, you know, I can see that. I can understand what my dad did. It's the young and the young at heart. And as the young come on board and, they, and the, you know, they get the chance to vote, are they going to stand there and let it stand? Are they going to be happy with that? We know they're not. We know the majority of them are positive. They're growing up color-inclusive, gender-inclusive, uh, LGBT-plus-inclusive. It's, it's a new generation... With, with a positive attitude towards this and saying well what is the big deal why do you older people have such a big problem with this that's what the younger people think and it's their lives too they will not stand for it that's what i feel
1: I, I, it's so lovely to hear um <laughs> uh, it seems to me that you're like constantly curious i don't know if that that's brave and
2: curious is. yes brave and curious and then there's the fearful and suspicious people on the other side always be brave and curious
1: <laughs> so this curiosity i mean it, it it means that you've you've learned so much like you were saying about your your knowledge of the, the of world war ii um but you know also learning languages which must have been really difficult considering that you're dyslexic as well um I, what why is being curious so important why um, what have you learned that you didn't think that you would learn and, and why was it important to learn all those languages
2: well if you think if, you, if, we, if we suddenly had a magic wand and we made everyone fearful and suspicious right now the whole world then goodbye world if everyone to everyone else was fearful and suspicious, suspicious it would be a negative spiral down into endless wars tribal wars country wars with the weapons that we have now that's no way brave and curious that is the only way forward We've got to be careful, you know, curious, not not reckless, but we're curious, saying how are you, how does it work, how are your things, and you can vibe a lot, you know, when you meet people, you can get a vibe that these people seem to be decent people, and seem to be okay people, or maybe we don't speak the language so well, it's uh, bravery and curiosity has made humanity, has got humanity this far, suspicion and, and being fearful has caused all the wars. And if I do things in languages, the gigs in languages, I'm reaching out to make stronger connections and encourage people in France and Germany and Spanish-speaking countries or in, and in Austria, I should say, as well. Yeah, why not try it in English? I'm doing it in German or French or Spanish. Why don't you try it in English? Which is now being used, you may not know this, as a bridging language so that comedians from any country can tour the world using the bridging language of English. This is a thing that's only happened in the last 10 years. There are kids from France going on stage in Helsinki. I know a friend of mine, Yassin Belhut, and he played in his connecting language, bridging language of English, even though that's his second language. And the Finnish kids were listening, understanding and laughing uh, at an English show. That's not their language either. And we have given it, we have gifted uh, English to the world. It started as English-English, it was really Saxon and Norman, and there's Latin in there. It's a complete melange, a quick mix. And, And then, of course, you've got America, the new world. They've got English, and there's Australian, and there's Canadian English. But in fact, Hollywood and rock and roll have been the biggest exporters of the English language. And that's not an invasion. That's not about an oppresum, oppressive language. It's a language that's there. Very easy to get to the first level of English. A bit harder as English goes up and gets. It's more complicated. But the first level is so grabbable. Very good survival language. And all, all the kids are learning it. And uh, for business, for holidays, it's the go-to language. Not because of us, but mainly because of Hollywood and rock and roll. And, and now comedy as well. So... That's that's a beautiful thing. So I do these languages, gigs in different languages to show it's possible and it's fun for me. And also good business sense. I did do accounting and financial management at university. And if you play in France, then you can develop a career in France and in Germany and in Austria and all the Spanish speaking countries of the world. So I do that. I use my ambition to try and do positive things and uh, and keep fighting for them.
1: What's been the most difficult language to learn?
2: I think German is the hardest I've done so far. Russian is going to be harder than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arabic will probably be in there with Russian because um, I was born in Yemen in uh, the city of Aden. And uh, the German's got a um, nominative, of be dative, and genitive, kind of like Latin. Latin's got even more declension, and uh, masculine, feminine, and a neuter. So, but I adopted a, a, a curious technique is when I've been improvising in German, I've been going on stage and mucking about as in French, I did it first in French and then in German and uh, I thought I'm going to get these endings wrong but I won't worry about it (laughs) And I'll let the German audience figure it out because they're clever. They'll work out, oh, that's genitive. That should be dative. So, you know, it's only an ending. I'm sure they can work it out. So just like a child, you know, a child who's a German speaker, as they grow up, they'll get things wrong. Their parents can understand them, though. And uh, they gradually learn to get the right ending. So that's what I did. So, yeah, but it's very rewarding playing in a second, third, fourth language. Spanish is very grabbable. If you've got French and English, Spanish is quite closely
1: there. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find that some jokes work better in different languages than they have done in English?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> uh, it's, I, do, I do universal humour. So if you're talking about haircuts, the supermarkets, um, sex, human sacrifice, history... They're all understandable. Even talking about Henry VIII, a very English king, or a king who was very English. And you go to another country, they won't know them. But I just tell them we had a king called Henry VIII. He was big and wide. He ate too much. He (laughs) suffered from much too much. And then I just go into talking about him and six wives. And and they get that. They know about kings. Even if they're a republic these days, they know what kings were. And uh, so. The jokes, puns don't work because puns always plays on language. So you are got to dump those out of your lexicon. But uh, all mine are stories. And I just do universal humor. Um, and you can use, and the references don't travel. If you say, I was on the 159 bus going to Stratham, and then I was uh, thinking about John Major and Edwina Curry, and thinking, really? Did that really happen? And then someone threw a curly whirly at me. And that's going to just lose everyone and every place outside Brent. But if you explain your terms, I was on a bus in our capital city of London, on a bus. We're getting to the south, a place called Streatham, number 159. And uh, I think uh, I had been a prime minister, his name was John Major. He had an affair with Edwina Curry, who was in his cabinet, but we didn't know about this. I came out later. But we just didn't think that would have happened. And then the Curly Whirly... Ah, let me tell you about the Curly Whirly, you know. Once you've introduced the Curly Whirly of chocolate and nougat and whatever it is, uh, you can use it as a sword later on in your stories. So... You could, Just like a story technique, stand-up story technique is the same as dramatic story technique. You've got to introduce your terms. Any film, the first 20 minutes, you're introducing the characters and the scenario to get people au fait. Are they knights of old? Are they... Is this a romantic comedy? People having difficulty with their relationships in modern day? What is going on? What are the settings... And after 20 minutes, you start getting down to, to where you, you hopefully have got the audience then, and off you go.
1: Do you consider yourself a wise person? Because I think you do. Yeah,
2: I hope so. Wisdom is the thing. that should be the most valued thing. Donald Trump is the most unwise person in the world, so he's at the bottom of the list. And wisdom uh, should be prized above all. There should be wisdom awards, really. But yes, I hope I'm wise. I try to be wise, you know. And if you think about it, the pronouns cause this stink uh, to some people who are full of hatred. Why, in a way, uh, 35 years I've been out. Did they think I... It was as if they were going, are you serious about this thing you've been talking about for 35 years? I didn't think you were serious. (laughs) I thought you were making it up for 35 years. What the hell more information do they need? You know, so... It's, uh, it's, it's a weird old one. But, uh, yeah, I try to be wise. I try to, to talk as well as listen. I think I didn't join a political party until I was 35. I try to be sensible, wise, play with a straight bat, and, uh, and, but keep falling on. There's a certain point where you make a decision in your life, maybe it's in your 30s, you say, these things are bad. The lying as a tool of politics is a bad thing. And uh, and uh, the idea of nationalism, our country is better than your country, white supremacy, bad things. You know, you, you don't need to go there and rehash it and say, well, let's just look at white supremacy again. No, it is bad. It will not work. It will just... It would just it's just going to lead to wars. So that won't get anywhere. And we've done that. We've done that for centuries, white supremacy. Let's move away from this. Six of... January what happened in Washington DC that white supremacist feel behind it. It's uh, it cannot you know you've got to push back on that. you've got to say what they're doing is a criminal thing and Donald Trump did the weird thing he egged them on, thanked them for doing it and then the next day said they were all wrong. Did you see that? That was very weird. Yeah he's just he will change his mind. he will lie this way that way. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just, it's like that, that five-year-old, six-year-old, when he's saying, you cannot keep lying like this. But he was saying, he was putting out the lies and being egged on by people who, who said, we don't care what you say, as long as it's in our interest.
1: So what's next for you, Eddie? So you've, you know, you're going you're gonna to do this. You're going to smash it. We know you are. And we are so, so proud of you at Women's Running. We are just so proud. and. That- we want to know what you're doing next. When, when can we vote for you?
0: <laughs> well, I have to get down. Um, I have to get a seat. So I'm waiting for a by-election. If a by-election came up, you can never tell when that's going to happen. If one's a good fit, I'd like to be up for it. If not, it'll be the next election. But I will keep going until I get in. And so, meanwhile, Six Minutes to Midnight, my first co-written film that I'm starring in with Judy Dench and Jim Broadbent, Oscar winners, comes out on the 26th of March this year. Uh, There'll be a Sky original. It comes out around the world, I should say, on IFC in America. And it's an independent film. Very difficult to get distribution in America as well. So that's the next big thing I'm coming out. I'm going to do more drama things. I'm going to do uh, more of my show uh, Great Expectations. i do a solo show version of My older brother Mark has done the adaptation. I played 21 out of 28 characters. That's like a solo dramatic Show you know, a theater show that I do, but it's just me playing 21 characters, and I'll keep doing well, stand up different languages. I've got to get Arabic going, a number of things. But I just like to say, this is the first time I've been on a women's uh, record you know, podcast, a woman's program, program where that you've allowed me to come in. So I feel very privileged, and I feel like I've been promoted to cheat. This is what I like. I didn't say this is it, red letter day, ring a bell. I wasn't, other people grabbed hold of it because actually it, this came out over a year ago and i put a statement out in the daily mail that was in september of not last year but the year before so it's been out for ages i've been out for 35 years but it all went how it went so i do feel i've been promoted to year, and it's a great honor so thank you very much for allowing me to talk to you
1: oh it's a massive honor for me and for us we are just we welcome you with open arms eddie we're we're so proud to have you with us thank you and Keep good back. luck with the rest of these marathons. Yes. Yeah. Cheers, I'll need it. <laughs> you won't.
0: Yeah, and just for anyone listen to the podcast, EddiezZun.com, you can go there. You can find how to do text if you're in the UK or you can donate from anywhere in the world. Thank you.
1: Congratulations, Eddie. Take care. Cheers. I was honestly overwhelmed to have the chance to speak to Eddie, which I'm afraid you can probably tell during parts of that interview. Running 31 marathons in 31 days is an incredible feat of endurance in anyone's books. But to do that while simultaneously campaigning for a fairer, kinder, happier global existence is just extraordinary. Do please support Eddie at eddieizzard.com. Donate what you can to raise vital funds for these brilliant charities, all working to make humanity great again. Follow these last marathons on Zwift and you can run alongside Eddie too. This episode was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode. Did you know you can become a member of Women's Running? Just go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter wrpod at the checkout to get your exclusive 35% discount off Women's Running membership. You'll get the mag, free access to digital back issues a free month subscription to MoveGB, Move at Home, discounts on merchandise and mags, and loads more besides. Plus, we're going to be adding more benefits during the year, so this is literally just the start of it. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. Happy running.